This is Agent Shadow from the X-Files Truth Podcast, and you're listening to the Red Dwarf Intro Cast. I'm back! Uh, welcome to the season eight spoiler cast. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for people who are new to this, uh, to the uh, show, because we've only ever done one of these before, this is where we give our predictions on what his manager will be thinking about the upcoming season. And with me on the show today, I have Darren. Hi guys. I have Rosie. Alright. I have Phil. How you doing? And I have two new people who have never been on the show before. That's Stephen. Hello. And this. Howdy. And as uh, as uh, you haven't been on the show, uh, Stephen or this, do you want to have a quick rundown on how you got into Red Dwarf? Uh, Stephen, you can go first. Yeah, um, I've been a fan since the age of 10, 1998. I consider the year of Red Dwarf, basically. I uh, got into it straight away from watching repeats on UK Gold and um, um, I was renting video tapes wherever I could find them. And uh, also, uh, Series 8 was... Around that time, Series 8 was the first series I saw in its original broadcast as well. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Liz? Um, I got into Red Dwarf shortly after college, back in the mid-90s, when they were replaying uh, repeats on PBS late at night. I was living in Missouri at the time. And the uh, they had the Red Hour late at night, Red Green and Red Dwarf. And uh, being such a Star Trek fan as I was, I, I was, Red Dwarf hit all the buttons. You know, it made fun of everything I liked. And I liked the characters. And it was just a lot of fun. It was a good way to wind down after a busy day. And since I'm in America, you know, we get everything late. I wasn't able to catch up on everything until a couple of years ago, all the previous seasons. And I finally got to see Series 10 broadcast almost in real time. So, yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> a quick note from my perspective uh, before we get into the show. Um, I watched t- Season 8 when it first aired. I wasn't a big fan. Hmm. Uh, I watched. I bought the DVDs just for completeness' sake, and watched them through once. And it was, and they stayed on my DVD shelf for years and years and years, only coming down very, 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 rarely, reg, uh, just to watch one or two episodes here and there. It wasn't until about three weeks ago I actually sat down and started watching them again. That's very similar to my situation. Very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought all the videos just religiously, but by the time Series 8 came out on video, I'd just been worn down by um, Series 7 and uh, the remastered videos, and I'd just kind of had enough. I thought, this show's kind of dumb now. You know, I'm, I'm not going to buy that. And so it wasn't until the DVD came out that, yeah, I uh, relived it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you talking about the remaster that actually brings me on to my um, first question. 
mm-hmm. actually. Uh, first thing we see of um, uh, the first episode, we get a new Red Dwarf. Uh, the new crew, well, the old crew, as it were. And a ton of changes. How do you think they're going to react to them? Sourly. <laughs> I think they're going to see the, the, the shot of Starbug entering the, the CGI dwarf. And it's just going to immediately put their backs up, I think. And I'm not sure they're going to get the woofer. I'm not entirely sure they are. Oh, comes... the rat's off. The rat out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Sorry, go on. first, and then they built the joke around it, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, um, it was interesting to me what you were saying, um about initial reactions. I mean, I saw Series 8 when I was a kid, and um, I didn't, like, hate it straight away, but I remember, even at the time, feeling very uneasy about the new format and um, the fact that they're sort of... I didn't feel comfortable with them trying to go back to the beginning and then the whole crew were there now and what was once their ship and their home they were now prisoners in it, and that just always sort of unsettled me, and it just sort of annoyed me, and I just wanted them to get out of that situation straight away, and just mm. things to be back to the way they were, really. Well, I was I was kind of pumped. I was very happy on first broadcast. I even remember what the continuity announcer said <laughs> before the show started. She said, uh, things on the dwarf are looking very rosy. And I was like, yeah, come on, bring it up, yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I, and I was quite happy after the first episode, um, I've, you know, I didn't. I, I never liked the rat's ass um, joke, but aside from that, I thought there were some good, funny moments in there. Well, the first thing we see is um, it's Rimmer. I, but they're going to be so happy seeing Rimmer back. Yes, that's what I thought too. Then so disappointed. <laughs> I think the joy of seeing Rimmer does carry you through that initial dialogue scene, which isn't sparkling. It's not vintage, but. Just the fact that it's the two of them in a bunk room having a pointless conversation, it is enough goodwill to... I'm sure that they'll get some enjoyment from that. Well, it's also which which version are they going to watch because I think with the three-parter, um, Captain Hollister's segues make it a very different tone of show to the, the full block version. They're going to be watching it as a three-parter. It's going to be the <coughs> I wanted to, think, to give them the broadcast experience. So it's going to be the three-parter, even though I personally feel the director's cut, which is on DVD, is so much better. Yeah, but I'm... then you you miss out on the big revelation about Hollister, and I love that big revelation about Hollister. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best. It's probably the best joke in, in episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm a purist as well. I went for the for the broadcast versions. Yeah, I I, I thought I'd prefer the, uh, the DVD version, but... It, to me, it just feels too long, and it says it's... Well, it states that it's supposed to be the way it was a, a originally meant to be seen, which is supposed to be an hour episode, but really, it's 90 minutes, and it, that, to, that, to me, that just felt too long. I, I've tried watching it a couple of times, and it's it, honestly, it's difficult for me to get through, really. I'm, I'm wondering how Heath and Angela are going to react, because the whole thing about Red Dwarf has been that you know, here's the last human, here's these very few people stuck in a big ship, well, the first few se- uh, series. You know, so few people in such a big place, 
the boredom, the ennui, the whatever. And I wonder what they're going to think of having a whole cast of characters now. It, it, how it's going to, you know, how they're going to see that is affecting the tone of it. Again, to start with, I think there'll be, I think there will be a little squee when Hollister, because he's one of the first, you, you see Chen and Selby, which, no, no, you see, I forget the I think it's Chen and Selby. Yeah, you see yeah. Chen and Selby mm-hmm. first, as they, um, as they come out the excluding Starbuck. Who they might recognise or might not, but I think as soon as Hollister walks in, because obviously we were spoiled because that was on the trailer, um, so we knew Hollister was coming back, they've got no idea, I think that they'll be just delighted. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, but three parter, I mean do you think they're gonna hold it for the three parts? I mean Paul did say it was back in the red part one last time. Mm. Yep. I think they're we... expecting some sort of epic adventure. Mm. Um and I'm not entirely sure they will welcome the fact that the crews come back and Hollis is there. Mm. But I could be completely wrong. I was last time we were on the spoiler card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is initial reaction. Like, you see Holly appear on the screen and you just go, yay! And then it's just this, oh, just, I hate that rat's joke so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is very blatant. I think they're going to be mm. happy that yeah. Chris is still around. Kachansky. Yeah. 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 I mean... Well, they, they, well, they did actually, on the, on the uh, last intercast, uh, the one for the last episode, um, they did actually say, well, I can't remember who said it, I can't remember who it was. Angela. 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 Uh, thank you. They said they wanted, they wanted, well, they thought that Kachansi was going to be disappearing between seasons. They did, yeah. So, that's not happening and she's back and, yeah, yeah. She, she looks match fit. So, yeah. They, they, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be very happy, I think, to start with. <laughs> Um, until they realise what's going to happen and there are lots of I think on the last one they also mentioned a lot about callbacks and there's a lot of callbacks in this episode Magruder's mentioned Professor Landstrom the luck virus the sexual virus Um, yeah clutching at straws much (laughs) (laughs) and and let's face it they don't really know the behind the scenes here I mean Doug Naylor's not stupid you don't sack the the daughter of a major BBC producer (laughs) It's not very good for your business model. No. What is that backstory then? Uh, Chloe Annette is a, a daughter of a former head of the BBC Productions. Oh. So, so she was never... too important to sack at the time. Okay. I never knew that. I didn't either. I didn't either Speak. until I saw her on an interview. And they so commented on it. Jimmy Carr, he couldn't resist commenting because Eddie made a joke about her getting the daughter uh, job because of her dad. Hmm. Uh, you know what Carr's like. Well, the British people know what Jimmy Carr's like. For those who don't, for the Americans, he's basically, he's, his gig is be as precocious as proper, possible and see how many people you can offend. <laughs> but he's charming at it, so it's sort of funny. So like a charming Donald Trump. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> except with a brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I've never. Been, I've never been a big fan of Jimmy Carr. <laughs> He's all right. Do you think? Um, do you think Keith and Angela are going to be bothered um, about the continuity with Kachansky? The fact that she suddenly got um, a different hairstyle and different clothes, even though it's supposed to, you know, continue straight after Nanaki, where she she was a brunette and had different clothes. Do you think, I think they'll be so, bothered? But by I think that? they'll be understanding. Yeah. Every time a new series comes along. 
like every time a new season of Friends started, that they all looked slightly different. I think that's just part of uh, what it is. Mm. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be quite understanding because um, I've recently watched um, Best of Both Worlds, the classic Star Trek TNG episode, mm-hmm. and um, between part one and part two, I think it's um, oh goodness, who was the Doctor? And TNG. Gates McFadden. Um, Diana Muldaur, yeah. No, you're Gates McFadden. She had a slightly different hairstyle in season four than season three. Oh, yeah, we've got the wrong seasons. Yes. Yeah. But so, so you, so, you know, on that cliffhanger, she has a slightly different, uh, hairstyle just seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> she dashed, she dashed so into I, the bathroom for a quick bob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I think, I think they're going to be understanding on that. But yeah, this is an episode kind of tailor-made to please the fans because pretty soon after you've got the original bunk room. And I know that Heath has always been a fan of Rimmer's original costume. Yes. And so when Rimmer walks in that room, I think, uh, yeah, they'll be uh, very happy, I think, to start with. (laughs) I keep saying that. (laughs) I want to touch on this, actually. I was hoping um, Ian Symes from Getting Mean and Titan would be joining us. but I want to discuss Pete. Mm. Oh. oh, Pete. Oh. Can, can I say... Oh, he loves that episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Goes down the spine. Can I say something? <laughs> Just my, my, my impression. I, I rewatched Eight this week in preparation for this. and yeah, I, I was trying to look at this, and I'm like, okay, it has some sci-fi elements. You've got the time wand. You've got the nanobots. You've got various, you know, the, the, the ship-eating virus in the last one, various things, but... But I look at season eight, and the difference between it and the previous seasons, from my point of view, I, I sort of feel like I'm watching the old Carol Burnett show. There's a series of skits. You've even got a song thrown in there, led by Rimmer. You've got a sports game that's stuck in for absolutely no reason. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I feel like I'm watching that with Harvey Corman. Chris Berry is Harvey Corman, but better at it, at not laughing. Uh, but there's a lot of humor in it. It's just that's kind of how it feels kind of like a variety show this season almost. Definitely. Yeah, it's so absolutely. Busy. Yeah. Mm. They, they were just trying to bring absolutely everything they could back to it that made the show good. And com- they completely failed. <laughs> and, well, and, um, sorry, you go. Oh, no, you go on, Dan. Go on. I was just going to say, from my point of view, they commit an ultimate sin too. I never find anything any joke remotely referencing rape remotely funny. Oh, that one, yes. It's that's, just, that's a no-go yeah. area as far as I'm concerned for comedy. Which joke is that? Sorry, oh. I can't remember that. Yeah, I can't with, the, with the, the, the virus, isn't it? In the, when he pours it on him in prison, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, dodgy area. Yeah, no doubt, mm. dodgy area. Uh, yeah, well, the, the, the basketball game really annoyed me first go-round, but watching it yesterday... I kind of enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it definitely annoyed me uh, first time around. I think... Uh, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say that I think Pete would be a lot, lot better if it was just one episode. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, um, uh, I what I absolutely loved about Pete... Um, um, May sound weird saying that, but um Not a sentence you hear often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, well I'm being very serious as well. Um what I loved about it was the um the captain's office stuff and uh, you know that the whole what I think was one of the stronger 
uh, aspects of Series 8 was Lister and Rimmer sort of working together against the system and getting into, into trouble with Hollister. I, I, I love that stuff. And if Pete had just been an episode called, let's say, Captain's Office, and it was <laughs> as just... It was, yeah, as it was. Yeah, if it, if, it, if it was just that, I would have been so, so happy. You know, I, I thought it would have worked so much better that way. I, yeah, and it would have served as a slight callback to Stasis Lake too, which is essentially the joke premise was started with that. I like... Was mm. the, yeah, I liked the captain's office bits too. I, I think there's there's only one little captain's office bit I didn't care much for, and I think it's kind of a metaphor for the entire Series 8, was when they keep pointing the time one, he goes, see you in ten minutes, and it goes on like way, <laughs> yeah. way, way too long, and I, I kind of feel like that's long, a metaphor, yeah. you know, try to take everything you had in eight episodes and see if you couldn't have squeezed it down into six. That sort of situation, I think, where the audience went for it, and so they kept it in. But yeah, it definitely should have been cut. That's one of the worst bits of the of the show, um, yeah. along with the the Calvin delude. The oh, my, my here here we go. Here's a subject. Your least favorite thing about P. Mine is probably the big dinosaur bowl with Dino written on the side. Did <laughs> mm. <laughs> I get that? Yeah. yeah. That, along with the shot of the scutter in the dinosaur's stomach, the, it's just way the wrong side of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I did like Danny's little quip. The whole hog? You mean it wasn't hard enough getting the whole cow? <laughs> well, just the idea of, like, beef vindaloo, you know, it's just... <laughs> that was humorous. I must, but... I must admit, I did kind of like... Um... After that, with the captain, where he's telling the tale of um, <laughs> the, <mint laughs> the brave man who came, be- who came behind the dinosaur, and the, you know, the, you missed that. a bit I up did... your left nostril. Yes. That? that's great. That is great. I that do was like a really good that. moment. And Mac McDonald's face is getting more and more purple as he's telling the story. <laughs> yeah, he's so good in that scene. <laughs> and the repetition works because at first he says Coca Cola. And then he says a popular fizzy drink, and then he gets interrupted before um, he can say it again. I, I don't know why I enjoyed that so much, that little bit of product placement <laughs> politics. My, my favourite line of... I think of... he just does... Oh, I was just going to say my favourite... I just favorite... think he does... <laughs> you go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say my favourite line of that bit was, do you know what it does? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what happened? <laughs> well, when... Th- this might be a stupid comment. But I'm going to go ahead anyway. Um, was this... Oh, it must have been way after the books. Because they reference Coke in the second book. It's well after the first two, I think. Yeah. Coke yeah. adds yeah. life, yeah. Because yeah, I was, was buying the first two the back yeah. in like the early to mid-90s. Yeah. So this I is eight, eight that... years later, yeah. Eight years. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a slightly in-joke. I thought that too, maybe. maybe? Possibly. I am currently uh, on the uh, Ganymede and Totem just looking at the Silver Survey results. <laughs> and we have a last place, Pete Part 2, mm-hmm. in 60th. 60 is Pete Part 1. 59 <laughs> is Back in the Red Part 3. 58 is Only the Good. 57 is Back in the Red Part 2. 54 is Quoted TV. Yeah, way down there. Yeah. And 51 is back in the red part... 51 is back in the red part one. 
Yeah. Oh, well. And then we have to jump up to 43 for Cassandra. Yeah, people seem to say, oh, that series was terrible, but Cassandra was alright, but I don't know. I think there were better moments earlier on and later on than... It, it's got some great moments, though. It's got um, that gag about the singing typing, mm-hmm. which is always a treat. Mm. Um, but, yeah, what what bothers me about that episode is just that bit at the end, the contrivance of getting Rimmer and Kachansky in bed together. I never quite buy it, and uh, especially when Lister says, oh, Crichton figured it out, which is just so hand-wavy and yeah, yeah just a bit too thin, that. Mm. What... Well, in my opinion, anyway, uh, what Cassandra does right for me is introdu- introduce the uh, uh, thing of the Canaris. Hmm. And if they had used that more uh, than they did, and they did, I think season eight could have been a lot better. If do you mean if they used more of the Canaries than yeah. they did? Yeah. I like the Canaries. Yeah, I, I think they had some good moments, and it was a way to get adventure in there. I, I do like Kill Crazy. I thought he had great moments. His, um, yeah, <laughs> especially in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he lived up to his name, by God. So <laughs> I tried to. He looks straight down the barrel of the lens. He says, "Let's go kill something." Then looks right down the camera, <laughs> which I always enjoy for some reason. I can't remember which episode it is now. Actually, off my head. Uh, with the major continuity mistake. You mean with... Uh, do you mean with Chloe missing? Yeah, or? yeah. Uh, um, Crikey yeah. TV, that is. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm just wondering if Heath and Angela are going to notice it. Okay. I s- mm. Which bit? Yeah, I can't remember I when I actually it. noticed it, so... Which, yeah, I, I don't still think they will. Which bit was that? I don't that? think they will. Uh, since um, doing it for themselves in the shuttle... Yeah, when they're heading back to the ship and Kill Crazy's telling his story so forlornly about how the monster run away from him and then they go on to the stuff about Crichton showering with the girls. Oh, okay. I'll and I must admit, that's that's the time, that's the moment I actually loved Kill Crazy's character at first. Was, he was so sad that the monster ran away. <laughs> it was just... He's, he looked like a little boy looking for his lost puppy when he was doing those lines. It was just brilliant. <clears throat> yeah. Um, another another thing I really wanted to um, to ask actually um, was the last episode only the good and the cliffhanger ending mm. that we didn't get any resolution for, but oh, well. which we so, still haven't really. Yeah. Haven't, no, well, not really. No, no. It all got sorted out. Don't worry about it. Yes. <laughs> I think Doug made a comment. The thing I hate most. I think Doug made a comment what? in the little tea round table for the few people at Dimension Jump, but I wouldn't want to say what his answer was just in case. Well, there were three or four endings filmed, weren't there? Yeah, they were. They were. Uh, well, as far as uh, which rumor is, I should say. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did see, um, I think it was John Hall on Ganymede and Titan. Mm-hmm. He posted something on Twitter about what yeah. Doug said about I mean, I guess, which rumor that is. I don't guess it's any big secret. He said he, you know, in his mind it was the original hollow rumor, so, in season series 10. Because one of the Can original I... endings was Ace Rimmer comes back and saves the day. So yeah. that could have happened, but we just didn't see it. I would have liked to have seen that one. That would have been interesting to watch filmed. 
And then, of course, the other one of the other engines is on the DVD, uh, with with everyone being alive and yeah, you know, having to memorize the formula. Well, yeah, exactly. There is a very good version of that on YouTube. Someone's done an edit of the last episode using all these elements and just patching it all together, and it's called Mirror Mirror on on YouTube. And it's cool. the best version I've seen. You know, they've sort of taken all these rough elements and they've made something that's at least kind of watchable. Kind of watchable. Mm. <laughs> we have, to be perfectly honest with you, so far we've been we are about twenty five minutes into this. We haven't been trashing series eight as much as we thought we were going to be. Okay, well here we go. Rosie, <laughs> go ahead. And I was just I thinking was just of a question say, for yeah. Rosie that might bring that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I agree that uh, uh, Kachansky should have been dropped that's not Chloe Annette's fault she did a fantastic job with the material she was given uh, Rimmer coming back was yeah great but again he was given a script that would always be unpopular with the fans. So it just didn't work. And then they spent too much money on the CGI mm-hmm. and not enough time... On the stories. On the stories mm. or the jokes. <laughs> He's not iron balls as we know and love him. In Back in the Red yeah. Part 3, you sort of think, yeah, Chris Barry, he's... It's it's not Rimmer, it's Chris Barry, or it's mm. it's it's someone. It's like a, a zombie doing it in in some ways, especially in Pete where, with the we're finished that section, which is just disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I I think he he was bloody trying, but he <laughs> he wasn't really given a lot to work with. Yeah, I really think it's the fault of the premise and and the writing. I think there's just something. I think there was, I still posit that maybe Doug was just given too much room to work within with eight episodes and he wasn't, you know, forced to get it down tight with the six like mm-hmm. in previous series. Um, and even in seven, it was a little tighter than in eight, it feels like. Well, we know the reason why um, they wanted to do eight episodes. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, was to get, to get up to the Magic 52 oh. episodes. Syndication. Syndication. Exactly. That's what you need financial decision. Well, that doesn't surprise me, I guess. But, uh, yeah, River... it, it feels very, very strung out. Mm. Sorry. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, totally, I, I agree with you. We could all agree I on agree that. With you, yeah. um, R- Rimmer is there. I think in the in the first episode where Lister and Rimmer are sitting there discussing and Rim, uh, what Lister's drunk the Swarfiga and he's drunk the Winderly, I think that's Rimmer. Um, and they try it again in the last episode. There's a story about him peeing into an iron to make some kids t-shirts. Yeah, that's that's less successful. That's a bit weak. That, it kind of reminds you of Porky Roebuck, but yeah, not not in the same league at all. Uh, my criti- my biggest criticism of series eight. What's the point of bringing Norman Lovett back if you're going to use him as a filler? Yeah, I, I was just going to say that actually. That's one of the things that really bugs the hell out of me about eight is why bother bringing Holly back at all. Um, the reason that they got rid of him slash her in the first place was because they couldn't think of anything to do with the character anymore, and it was so clear that they still couldn't in eight. And um, 
Uh, Phil, uh, was it you or someone else who posted in the spoiler group about Norman saying on some podcast that he regretted coming back? Was it? Yeah, it, 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 I don't think it was me, but I did hear that that podcast, and uh, yeah, he said exactly that. He said, "Yeah, I should never have come back. It wasn't the same. One of the writers had gone, but at the end of it, he did say, but he really liked series ten, and he thought they got it back. So, yeah. Mm. But yes, just." yet another element that they brought in to try and recapture the old stuff. Let's have the bunk room, let's have Holly back, let's just, yeah, bring back the original crew, Red Dwarf. No, it doesn't work. Yeah, and the the scene at the start of Cassandra when he's saying, become a dog, it's, again, it's just weak. It's very weak material they've given him. What? They have, yeah. And he, he looked very... Well, he looked very pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it might have worked better if, if if they had Lister being drunk and going for it and then having a reveal that Holly was just playing another prank like he does. Yeah. That might have worked. But yeah. having Holly be serious and Lister be smart didn't work, in my opinion. There, there's a good joke from that Cassandra scene which has got cut. It's uh, where Holly says it's a classic Catch-44 situation. And Lister says, oh, you mean Catch-22? And Holly says, no, Dave, it's twice as bad as that. I think that's quite a good joke. Yeah. Certainly better than a dog. <laughs> the one thing that they only used the once, which I, once, which I would love to have seen them use again, uh, was the, I don't know, I have to just best describe this, the real Holly, mm. uh, which, it, which was in Back in the Red Part 3. Yeah. They only, only, they only ever used him once. Hmm. To be, yeah, pointless. To be honest, I'm I'm kind of grateful they only used him once because that effect they did with his head was just awful. Yeah, it was awful. I'm um, I'm actually looking at a picture of that right now. But first of all, you know, it was a way to um, to make sure he was different from our Holly. And what can you do with a head? <laughs> Not much. And B, why didn't they use him before? I'd love to have seen that mo- that more. At this point, on original broadcast, I think I'd thrown my hands up in despair at this point because we'd already gone through the... Um, at this point, we've had the Blue Midget dance and we've had the theory of relativity, which is, ah, terrible. And then just at the very end, you've got this stupid Holly Conehead man. And just at that point, you go, you know what, guys? This is before the rape joke. You know, <laughs> OK, see you later. <laughs> you I, might get it I back think next what's, week. You know, I mentioned a while ago, it seemed like kind of a skit show the whole way through. I think what I was thinking, too, is it, what seems to be missing and what comes back and back to Earth and even Series 10 to an extent is you've got some introspection on every other series but this one. There are no quiet moments. There are no... <coughs> minutes of Lister, you know, pondering his situation or anyone else pondering their situation. Everything is just moves so fast and is so slapstick. There's no real heart to it, it feels like. Definitely. Yeah, I went, I was watching this episode of season two, I can't remember whether it was, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. Uh, when, when Rimmer finds out that his um, relatives have died and he's on the top of the observation dome. Oh yeah, that one. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a beautiful scene. That's a it great, is. Exact, you know, a great scene. That's no, it. So back to reality, isn't it? No, 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 that is a scene which kind of moves the story forward. Yes. And then Cat comes in at the end with a fantastic <laughs> yeah. gag. 
Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. and that is the way that Red Dwarf should work. Yeah. <laughs> and you get none of that in season eight. No, because Kachansky should never have been brought in as a character. <laughs> and like I say, I watched series eight and I enjoyed it. I, I seriously enjoyed it. I, I think I watched Peter's one whole thing. I watched the um, feature length version, which I think helped. But you say, you, you kind of watch it and you think, I'm enjoying this. But then you think back to things like Thanks for the Memory, Justice, and it's just not in the same league. It's not really about anything. It's just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Stuff that happens. It does have I a mean, bit of a sketch co- show quality to yeah. it at times. I watched, well, I literally only watched uh, Only the Good literally about two hours before we started recording. Mm. And the story doesn't get started until, what, the 20 minute mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, Only the Good could have stood on its own as a good episode if it had been retooled mm. a little better, I think, anyway. I think cut Talia. If you cut Talia out of it, then that that would really help it. That's one of the things that would help it. Um, but again, I think the audience just went for that joke so much, the, but I'm your sister, and the audience just went so bananas that I think that's why it was kept. Yeah. Yeah, because um, what is everyone's least favourite moment of season eight as we still on the negative? There's so many. <laughs> no, there yeah. is. I kept the sycophantic I, applause at the end I, of Only the Good. I don't like how yes. I don't like how they kept harping on Crichton's thing and oh well they've classified me as a woman and it's the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I, you know I, I wouldn't I, I I don't want to get into a big whole big gender discussion here, but that was a little bit annoying. I mean. I, I don't know. So that's yeah. so, so that's just reminded me of the. Uh, Cat thing in uh, Pete Part Two with uh, Crichton's penis. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> that, is, that is so ridiculous. Oh jeez! Well, they were going for a whole aliens thing, I think, but a bad yeah. or alien, but in a bad way. Yeah, that um, that was originally in Cassandra as well, wasn't it? Wasn't that whole thing? Yeah, it was Crichton? split. Yep, mm. it was cut and pasted into Pete Part Two to to flesh it out. Yeah, um, but again, I think that's worth it. It's, I mean, it is just stupid. It's really stupid. But Kachansky's line, now you like all men because like all men, you've got no control of your penis. Yeah. That was funny. That was, yeah. I wouldn't say it was worth it. It was worth going through all the <laughs> upheaval. But yep. yeah, and I, it was certainly and I have a to, funny moment. And I have to tell you the whole have a fantastic period when Always came out with that serious campaign about 10 years later, like in its ad campaign. Um, I had to laugh my butt off because... I'm like, oh, did they use that as a real... Oh, yes. <laughs> Worst ad campaign wow. ever. Can I guess oh. that that was a male advertising uh, agent? Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Just come... That is funny. I've never heard that before. That was actually... It was a... here in the States, wow. at least. It was like, have a, have a great period or something, and... It's like all these, I don't even remember, it's like the little packaging had all these things you could do to make yourself feel better, and I was like, Really? Just, just give me my product and shut up. Shut up. Yeah. This is a, a typical Series 8 problem of over-explaining a joke. Because the initial moment when Kachansky walks in, I think, cause I'm, I'm sure I've never actually laughed at that, although I do think it's funny. 
But then when he says all that blue stuff and he just kills the joke, he just really labors the joke because um, it's funny. And then and this happens throughout. I don't know. That part, yeah, just that part did make me laugh. Don't you want to play tennis in some white jeans? And I know you're going to be busy pouring blue stuff. <laughs> I think the concept of the joke works. I can certainly believe Crichton. Crichton is naive enough to fall for it. Yes. And Lister is cheeky enough to put him through it. But yeah, I don't think the execution quite worked. I agree on that point. Hmm. I think it worked. Are, until... are you holding? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Go on. I think it worked until it gets just beaten to death with all those explaining. But you know, Liz Liz had the opposite reaction. So horses for horses. I think I... maybe one of the changes in seven and eight to the first six series, and I, I don't, I'm probably alone in this. I don't know. In the first six series, when sex jokes were used, they were kind of suggested at rather than blatantly open. Whereas in seven yes. and eight, they're just sort of open slather. And I, I kind of like the cleverness of a, of a double on, double entendre more than I like someone just coming out with the F word, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I was thinking earlier, there's a lot of fixation on genitals in eight for some reason. I can put that I'm guessing that's Paul Alexander. I'm guessing that's his input. I think they they were just. Uh, I was going to say something there that would have got got me shouted down, but uh, I just think just that say they, it. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm here for you, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't remember the last time I raised my voice, so I'm not going to shout you down. <laughs> Everything in this season is just so contrived. And the the jokes about women and what they like or what they don't like is just another aspect of that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I hate both those jokes that you've just mentioned. (laughs) They're absolutely awful. (laughs) And, yes, I like the subtlety from from the previous series. And I also like the boys' club. (laughs) Because if you're going to have male writers... You know, maybe it's best not to even try and um, tackle women's issues because. Well, exactly. But yeah, yeah if, if they can, then then go for it. But it's evident that they can't. So just don't at least bother. have a quick <laughs> at least have a quick conversation with your actress first, so you know what you're doing. Just... Yes. Yeah. I think the period. If I was her, I think the so, period jokes so. could have worked if it, if the season overall had been better and that had been thrown in as something that didn't come up very often. You know, I felt like it was the only time it was used. See, I laughed at it because at the time it was used, I thought, okay, the one-off of you know him putting up the banner and giving her a party that was humorous, and then and it comes from him being you know as you say naive. But overall, mm. th- there were a lot of genital-based jokes this season and sex jokes that just weren't. Overall, they kind of fell flat in yeah. that sense. And, of course, that period scene has whiny Crichton in it. Yep. <sighs> yeah, only a little snatch, a tiny little snatch yeah. of wine there. Yeah, but... What a whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doug Naylor, if you ever listen to this, please, please, please lose whiny Crichton. It makes no sense whatsoever for an Android, Android to behave that way. <laughs> It just doesn't. And again, he's behaving like Robert Llewellyn. <laughs> <laughs> I think at that point, I think because we, 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 we is it, that is the first time that Wayne Quote is actually in um, a scene, isn't it? We've taken 
eight episodes to get to that point. I wonder if he surrenders will be throwing the TV at the window. <laughs> <laughs> On the positive side, Crichton looks great in Series 8 until he turns into naked Crichton, which is, just, again, out-and-out out stupid. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate that scene in Back of the Red Part 2. I just hate it. It's horrible. With naked Crichton and the Doctor, it's awful. I mean, uh, I'm a bit more positive about it. I still, I mean, I still hate it, but not as much as others might. But that scene is just, uh, I, I, I really cannot stand that scene for whatever reason. It just like, it just too much for me. I, 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 you know, it's just awful. This is one of the rare times I'm going to completely back Norman Love it up on something. They should have been nuts, not bolts. Mm. <laughs> Going to that Doctor scene, though, the one thing I do, though, is when the Doctor hands Croton um, the Varth thing, and he says, fill it up without looking up, and Croton's back <laughs> with a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> that one did make sense. <laughs> and then um, Croton's on the table, and he's un- and the Doctor's unbolting him, and his head falls off and rolls, in the- and rolls down the corridor. Yeah, I don't think I've had any problem with the goofy scene. I think it's just just that the look of Crichton without his yeah. armor on. I think that was my yeah. only problem, really. I think that yeah, the scene was fine. Um, yeah, I think kind of silly. I think what bothers me the most about it is just the hand. It doesn't make any sense to me why it'd be inflating. I mean, he's a robot. Mm. Why why would yep. his hand be inflating like that? That just make. <laughs> I think that's the thing that gets to me the most. Well, why would you have a um, basketball game to decide some a p- prisoner's punishment? I mean, does anything make sense? That's stupid, but the hand inflating is the sort of thing that I like about Red Dwarf because it doesn't have to make sense. (laughs) Stupid gags like that. (laughs) I watched the trailer today, and at the end of the trailer, it says some things are never meant to make sense. Maybe that was just Doug's little disclaimer before the series even came (laughs) out. (laughs) No, but that, that, that would be Rob's sentiment. I think <laughs> Doug's was that I'm trying too hard to make everything make sense, and that's what's uh, spoiled the show. Do you think um, he was maybe trying too hard on that series to sort of please the fans in a way? But he, he thought that by pleasing the fans, he could, you know, he, if he go back to the beginning, he'd be pleasing the fans. And he, do you think that was maybe? What was in the second yeah, episode, absolutely. he mentions future echoes. He mentions backwards universes, which will please yeah. Angela. I mean, <laughs> uh, I always remember something um, Jonathan Cap said on one of the uh, dwarf casts about. It was on one of the initial reaction podcasts for series ten. He said um, he felt series ten was series eight done correctly, and um, mm. I, I, I thought that was an interesting viewpoint, and I think quite right, really. Um, if you compare eight to ten, I think ten is just so much better. So much better. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it- series eight. He's going for gags. He's filling up as many gags as he can, whether they hit or whether they miss. He's just throwing as many gags in as possible. Maybe. Um, and series ten, more gags work. I guess maybe that's. The maybe thing. series eight is the Bobby Ewing shower scene season. <laughs> <laughs> Never really. Happened. Somebody, somebody yeah. had a dream. <laughs> There's also the issue of. Um, I mean, I love writers putting a shout-out to the fans, but there's a point at which it crosses the line from a shout-out to pandering, and I, I really don't like when a writer panders to the audience. Mm. 
It's still their work. It's still their art. They still have to be setting the tone. They can't be letting someone else set the tone for them. Hence yeah. the Dibley family. Yeah. 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 I mean, sorry. the one... Sorry. No, you go ahead, Rosie. I was only going to agree with Darren and just say that pretty much summed up the whole feel of mm. Season 8. Series 8? Oh, my mm. gosh. I can't believe <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a semantic issue. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's only to do with the way the series are commissioned, so it doesn't really make any difference in the end. So. <laughs> I was actually going to mention my favourite scene of season 8 as a whole. Back in the Red, part 1, Crichton with the psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> Is that terrible to Dan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I must well, admit, I... Just written, yeah, no problem with this scene at all. <laughs> Except some don't yeah. flog to death again, but not really as bad as others. Well, I think I think the guy playing the psychiatrist—I forget the actor's name—but I think he's really good in that scene. Uh, I I uh, I just instantly have that voice in in my head, and it, you know, it's it's just so funny the way he does it. Andy Taylor, I think his name is. Oh but yeah, that's he right. He does yeah. sound a little bit like Brannigan, the ship psychiatrist. <laughs> what kind of ruins that scene for me, though? It's not—it's this is a nitpick more than anything else. But earlier in the same episode, we've got uh, Captain Hollister, and I can't remember the the Beamer's uh, officer's name. When they're talking about how the ships just suddenly got bigger. Hmm. Oh, the um. Oh, yeah, I can't remember now. Either. One of the medical staff. Yeah. I um, think I think the character's <laughs> name is Doc Newton, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they walk right. They actually walk right past uh, where that later scene takes place. Oh, so you can see the psychiatrist room in the background. Kind of yeah. Thing. Oh, I see. With, the, with, with the table and chairs. I never noticed that. Me neither. I I'm, 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 pre- oh, I'm pretty sure it's got tables and chairs in it. Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure it has. Well, that, that I guess that's sort of like, remember the end of Justice? Uh, Justice, mm. where they're going round in the... <laughs> in the uh, the corridor, but they're sort of basically going around in a circle, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah going down, turning, turning around the pillar and coming straight back out again. Yeah. I'm sure none of us noticed on... Did Heath and Angela notice on first viewing of Justice? So, well. I don't... No, I didn't, because I, I actually pointed out to them. I don't think they did. No, and I certainly didn't, but yeah, it's one of those things. Um, I, I, I really like the lift scene with Kachansky and Lister with the sexual magnetism. I really like the, the gag at the end. But, yeah, that's, got, that's a cheap joke that worked for me. You know, I've done what got into me, nothing sadly. <laughs> but again, it's it's kind of subtle. It's You have to make the, right. you have to connect the dots in your own head. Right. Yeah. I like the scene, that's, I like know. the scene in Only the Good where Rimmer, you know, cheats the machine out of the uh, candy. Mm. <laughs> and that whole argument. And, you know, just, that's Rimmer being Rimmer, you know, trying to be tight, you know. That's really good, yeah. I, I know your taste in confectory. I also know... No, that is all I know about <laughs> No. <laughs> so, yeah, Series 8, it gives with one hand and it takes... <laughs> and it smacks you in the face with the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gives you with one hand and robs the ha- your house with the other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but just going back to Justice for a second, that's a that's actually a good example to use because Justice was another episode where they filmed a lot more footage than they actually used. 
When you look at the quality of the gags that were cut from Justice compared to the quality of the gags that were kept for Series 8, mm. I mean, that whole routine where, where Rimmer's explaining the, the concept of Justice World and they're going through the park and they're seeing the examples, they were brilliant, the whole thing, and they cut that as not good enough for their standards. Mm. And they kept I mean, much I think Series jokes. 4 is gold standard all the way. I think if, if mm. I was to show someone the show for the first time... I'd be tempted yeah. just to give them Series 4, really, because I think that just hits everything really well. Well, I actually want to give a good, um, good, uh, huge shout-out to uh, my good friend over at the uh, Agfile's Truth podcast, uh, whose voice you would have heard right at the top of the show. Um, he's... Uh, Currently, actually, watch, re-watch, he's actually currently watching Red Dwarf for the first time. Ah. And he's actually just got to the end of season one, as we record this. And he's, he's loving it. Good. Cool. Yeah, m- maybe I should have faith and just start. If, if I was to introduce it, just start at the beginning. But I don't know, I just mm. I just want to dive in with the good stuff or just show him a good one from the middle. Mm. Anyway. Oh, well, we've got another minion for the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> I'm sorry, you go, Shane. No, I, I was just going to say, I wonder if his reactions are going to be like Heath Ninja's reactions when they get to backwards. <laughs> Probably. And again, that, that that was my reaction on first when I first saw backwards. Well, one of my best mates, that was his first introduction to the show. As, um, we'd come home from work at the time, we were having a coffee, winding down. I'd stuck the video on, not even thinking what was in there, and backwards was what was playing. And I'd, it, one of the things that will be said on my memory until my dying day is he's completely, what the hell, look throughout the entire thing. <laughs> oh, I did the it same got, thing. I showed someone backwards who'd never seen the show before. And, yeah, we were we were laughing so hard. Um, and then we, we just went right on and watched Marooned and just laughed even harder. So that was a, that was a good introduction. Uh, my friend didn't... He didn't actually get what was happening until the final gag with the cat trying to go to the loop. <laughs> That's when it twigged for him. But, but he became a convert. It didn't ruin him. We, we've got another one for the greater good there too. Uh, as, as an eight-year-old... As, I think it must have been what eight or nine when I first watched that. I didn't understand the joke. <laughs> Me neither. I don't think I did actually. No. <laughs> but what did you guys think of it as an episode? Uh, now, because, now, yeah. now I love it. But at the time, I was yeah. it was just a bit too shocking. I was like, "That's not Holly. Who's that guy?" Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was just a bit. It was just a bit too much to take in first. First time round, but yeah. So yeah, my first reaction was like Angela's. I think there's a big difference for if you're a teenager, child, or adult for when you first watch this show too. Because I, I found it a bit gimmicky when I saw it too. I was the first time. Mm-hmm. I think they yeah, played the gimmick too much. In other words, for me, doing this show is actually um, uh, especially when we got to uh, season. Season five and season six for me personally is because I actually remember those. Even though I watched the series beforehand, those are the first series that I can actually remember watching. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you know what I mean. Mm. 
and so I so I can actually remember what my reactions were like at the time. And of course now he's an Angela, of course, being adults and seeing how the opinions match match up. Yeah. Well, I I think that that fans or, or hardcore fans are pretty much about our age, I guess. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, it depends on and what your age they... is. <laughs> I think I, around 30. I think I'm older than all of you, so. <laughs> well, if you want to claim that, you can have it. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm not proud of it. I'm just saying. I think I'm maybe like a decade ahead. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, mean, I think we're on par then because we're. Oh, I'm a decade ahead, decade ahead of the group average too. Yeah. Are you saying it's an? It might be a nostalgia thing, Rosie. It is a nostalgia thing, mm. and looking back at that episode, I always enjoyed it because it was funny and it was quirky. But looking back at it now, I think, what the? What the heckins? <laughs> what the smeg? <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it be... was absolutely terrible. It 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 did exactly what series eight has done just now. If I can bring it back wow. to the subject, question. <laughs> In that it it was an obvious attempt to try and include as many things as possible to draw in the fans, and well, it did work. But on this occasion, it didn't. It gets away with it because it's funny, which I think is. I think I nicked that opinion off Jonathan Capps, but I think it's true. Oh, am I? I, I think oh, I'm sorry. the jokes really work in backwards. Am I right in saying that didn't Series 8 have like the highest ratings of all the series or something when it aired? Where did I read that? Or at least before 10 or Back to Earth? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, on paper no, it was think, a peak. It was yeah. a peak of popularity in terms of viewing figures. Um, and it, again, like leading up to the series, it felt like we were really hitting a, a, a new level of um, popularity. It felt like it was going to break through and become just a really massive phenomenon. Um, phenomenon. You guys realise that song originally came from an Italian pornography movie? <laughs> Good fact. I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, my childhood! Is, my child, my childhood has been just been rule thirty four yet yet again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, that 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 was in all the publicity. The fact of um, how huge the show was, and the first episode got eight million or something, which was very good. Um, and yeah, so I guess yeah. it just and goes then, to show ratings it, can't tell you everything. So. It doesn't, oh, it's not a not. signal of quality, no, but it, it, certainly people were mad for this series and w we were mad for it. I was at the conventions leading up to it. And in fact, in 1998, they, they broke filming halfway through series eight so that all the cast could go to Dimension Jump. And I remember asking Norman Lovett, like, how's the new series going, Norman? And he said, oh, it's going really good. It's really funny. And, um, <laughs> Wow. That was a really and good also, impression. <laughs> there was a dude there called Curtis who, Curtis Redgold, and he'd been to see Cassandra, and he said, "Oh yeah, it's really funny." It's, you know, and he, he sort of explained the plot to me, and it sounded really good. And I found out Hollister was coming back. We were hyped. We were hyped to the nines for this series. Yeah. Well, I, m I must admit, the trailer for Red Dwarf A is 
probably my favourite trailer they've ever done for the show. Not even mm. any of the trailers they did for Ten were as good as that, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I caught the the shorter version of that trailer, which I think is even better. That's not on the DVD, but it's just it's really snappy and it yeah, it just looks like it's going to be a whole heap of fun. And what's not to love? Well, you'll find out mm. if you watch it. <laughs> it reminds me of. Well, I hope you real. It reminds Sorry. me of movies yeah. where the trailer is better than the movie. So. Oh, always. <laughs> Sorry. In my opinion, it's always better. Never judge a movie by its trailer. <laughs> but Phil, I hope you realise if if um. Grant Naylor Productions ever does another fan video contest and the Introcast group does one, mm-hmm. you're Holly. <laughs> that was yeah. perfect. It was. I won't ruin it by trying to do more then. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, going back to the uh, the initial reaction that Red Dwarf 8 got, the critical reaction, I've got the Red Dwarf 8 script book and on the back of it it's got all the quotes from various newspapers and that mm. about Red Dwarf 8 and I think my favourite one um, is a quote by SFX which simply says Red Dwarf 8 was a triumph mm. <laughs> I read one that said oh god it's like the, it's like we're in 1988 again oh this is so good I definitely is, is that on the back of the script book that one or did I imagine that one um, I don't think I can see anything like that uh, no, I don't think there is one. I, I must have read that because I used to go to WH Smith and just read the SFX and never buy them. And I was really trying to track down this article because there was a, an Ed By quote in it that said, oh, yeah, we haven't done a Duff show this time round. Um, and I think that was probably where I read the quote of, you know, it's like uh, the glory days. No, it technically was a triumph from the show business point of view. The more soap it sells, the more successful it is. Yeah. We're not actually the customer of a television show. We're the product that the television show is selling to the advertiser. Sorry yeah. to be a downer. This, I'm a geek. Sorry. <laughs> um, one of you guys pointed uh, out earlier, and a friend sorry. of mine who has liked Red Dwarf as long as I have, and is you know sort of critical of Eight in some points too. She pointed out that one of the things that she did like about it, for example, in Pete. It shows them working together. You know, the, our core characters working together as a team, and she liked the fact that. That was one of the aspects of eight that she liked is that it sort of put them in the position of of having to work together against other elements. That that part of it actually worked for her. Influenced by Sergeant Bilko, I think. I think I heard Doug say somewhere or other the relationship between Lister and Rimmer and mm-hmm. Hollister as the as the uh, the man they're fighting against. I can see well, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was personally what I loved about it was, well, as you said, them working together, but also Lister and Rimmer going against Hollister right. and getting caught out. You said that, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been going for nearly an hour now, so <laughs> what I'm going to do is actually we're going we're gonna to break for an ad from this incredibly good podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll, we'll be back for some more after this. They're here, aren't they? Mr. Mulder, they've been here for a long, long time. If you're an X-Files fan, please tune in to the X-Files Truth podcast at xfilestruth.com. Look us up on Facebook, X-Files Truth Podcast. 
and find us on iTunes. Just search for XFT and scroll down to podcasts. Email the show at xfilestruth at live.com. You think this is about Mulder? It's about the truth, John. What truth? You got it all right in front of you. It's all in the X-Files. So we're back from that lovely little ad, which I will drop in at a later date. <laughs> um, what I want to do now is just go over the little bit of feedback that we've actually got on, on the spoiler cast group. Uh, so, uh, Paul had the rights, and it's a really, really long one, so I think somebody might have to help me out with this. <laughs> Uh, Paul has the, says, I like a series like, well, most of it. It's more on course towards the good Red Dwarf than Seven, with it wanting to be a drama first and a comedy second ever was. There's positives. Holly's back. Uh, Red Dwarf is back. And I find that the Hollister related reaction that he brings out of Rimmer, bedding into the face with something resentment behind his back, pretty hilarious. Even Kachansky has some funny lines. Uh, the first four episodes are pretty good. If I have a soft spot for the captain's office pass of Pete. If it has been six episodes, uh, with the first four as they are, and the other two containing the good parts of what we have now, you have a pretty good series. Maybe it was stretching its through eight episodes that stretched the series a bit little too thin. Okay. Ready? Yep. Phil Baker says. Mm. I like that guy. I think. (laughs) (laughs) He's alright, yeah. I think that's true of seven and eight. You could easily lose two episodes worth from each and both would be better for it, which is true. I find series eight frustrating because for every joke that hits, there are three or four groaners. (laughs) Yes, it's funny and generally enjoyable. (laughs) But there's an emptiness to it, (laughs) which wasn't there before, and there's not much substance to the plots. It just seems to be a bunch of stuff happens. He knows what he's talking about, that dude. (laughs) (laughs) We could have just read that one out, Phil, and just (laughs) not done Uh, the podcast. uh, (laughs) In response to that, I I think in... Uh, series 8, they were playing to the crowd a bit too much, expecting a familiarity with the characters to carry on through the groaners. It works well on me as I laugh at that ha-ha, that lister, or typical Croton, then wonders what the hell a non-fanboy would make of it. And uh, the last one I'm going to read out is uh, You and Acorn. Uh, I really hate season... Apart from Cassandra and perhaps back in the red part one, if I'm feeling generous, there's so many cringeworthy moments. With the exception of Cassandra, none of the parts are particularly interesting. I'm going to be interested to see what Heath and Angela thinks. They really like the direction season eight has gone in, and I wonder how they react to eight, as it gets a pretty mon- pretty much full 180 from seven. Hmm. Point. So what I'm actually going to do now, uh, as we close out, is I'm actually just going to read the episode titles, and we're just going to give a quick yay or nay on whether we think Heath and Andrew will like them. So we're going to start with Back in the Red Part 1. Yay. 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 
I think there's going to be a yay for me as well. Back in the red part two? Nay. Yeah, nay. No, I'm still going with yay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the middle of the back that I, I think I don't. That's think a waving thumbs up. Waving thumbs up. Yeah. Something, something in the middle pointing up, I think, on that one. Mm. Back in the red part nay. three? Nay. 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 I agree. I, I agree again <laughs> on that. <laughs> Cassandra, oh, you do do that. <laughs> uh, nay. <laughs> I'm gonna say yay, yay for that one. Yay, yay, mm. yay for me as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Crotty TV. Nay. nay, 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 nay. Yep, I think we all agree. <laughs> Feminist uh, jokes. No. Uh-uh. No. No. Pete Part One. No. Elements. Nay. I'm saying yay for that one. Ooh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say nay as well. Actually, uh, Pete Part Two. Nay. 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 And if nay. I could just make a little comment on that, um, okay. shouting out to our fans that we share with um, Nutty, this one had Godzilla in it and it didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it proves a point. You can't just stick Godzilla in an episode yeah, and like, make it It's good. more like Gamera. <laughs> they should have put a Shrek in it. <laughs> 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 That's one for the Richard Herring fans. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and last but not least, owner of the good. Uh, no. 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 I'm going to go mm. with a yay. Mm. You think? I think maybe, maybe nay. I, I don't know really. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go for nay provisionally. I think they're gonna like the last ten minutes where it turns into the mirror universe. And cat, cat is a genius. I think they're gonna like too. Yeah, I think, mm. I think they're gonna love that bit. But overall, as an episode, I'm gonna go nay. On that. It was just bizarre. The, the very ending of Series 8 was just so yeah. odd. And uh, like, the, the audience applauding for seemingly no reason. That's what really shot it down. It, you know, it was just nuts enough, but that just killed it completely for me. They did that in uh, quite a number of episodes in 8, I remember now. And, and that's the only series they've done that. They've added applause at the end credits, I think. Yeah, because ev- everyone was hyped. The, the, the audience were hyped. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll tell happened. you what it is. It's because American sitcoms are cool. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do. They applaud like that. It is sweet <laughs> when it happens. In in Out of Time, when Lister says, what do you think of the picket fence? And the audience just spontaneously applauses. I really like that. That is That reminds me of... You know when the Fonz does something, <laughs> but there's a bit, there's yeah. a bit in Siri. So, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say. So they've taken that. That's another element they've taken again. I, I just really feel that they're going well. Yeah, yeah. Brits love American sitcoms. Mm-hmm. There's a bit in Siri. Let's yeah. have this cheesy. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say there's a bit in series ten in the first episode, Trojan, where you know it shows it's perfectly quiet and it shows the Red Dwarf towing the Trojan behind it. And then somebody just edited in spontaneous applause and chuckling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Because I, I find the episode funny and I was willing to laugh along, but I'm like, you know, sometimes it does interfere with enjoyment. Mm. 
Well, yeah. maybe... Uh, actually, I was going to try and... Because they did show a rough version of episode one during the episode five record. So maybe that's where it came from. But yeah, you do get suspicious um, that, yeah, they've just... That that may have been canned. Or maybe the audience were laughing at something else. That's what I thought. Maybe the second one there. Mm. Yeah, a bit. But again, I didn't mind, actually. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking about it. At the time, I wasn't thinking about well, it. Well, I was, I was laughing along with it, so, you know, or over it or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. But Red Dwarf is not friends. That's yeah, I don't really want... Amer- I don't want English sitcoms <clears throat> to copy American ones. Yeah. You cut out the ad time, you're half an hour down to 22 minutes, then you cut out the laugh track, and they've only got about 15 minutes of content. Yes. Yeah. I agree, and I'm American, so I, I want them to be separate. <laughs> as, I, I want them to be separate as well. I'm not that big on applause on laugh tracks either. So, mm. oh, but again, I, in Trojan, I, there's the moose moment, you know. That's, that I love that sweet. moment. Oh. Sweet, mm. spontaneous, genuine. Yeah, <laughs> but at the end of eight, it's tagged on, and it's yeah. should be there. Mm. The moose. Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> there's actually, there's actually one thing which I've actually not mentioned actually it's i've just rem- i've just remembered m- reminded myself as i'm looking at the box um red dwarf remastered mm. <laughs> well the, the there's actually um, who growled then <laughs> please don't use that kind of language around us <laughs> how dare you sir <laughs> something which i will be mentioning to them when we actually do back in the red part uh, one is the whole remastered thing um, because obviously th- that's where the new Red Dwarf comes from. Mm. How do you think they can? How do you think they would react to that? Cause I don't. I don't remember mentioning it before. I may. I may. I may have done, but I don't remember doing that. Again, um, I was at Dimension Jump '97. I've mentioned, um, and uh, Doug Nader showed us um, the remastered shit for the first time, and there were genuine sort of ooh ah sort of going around the room. This is a room of fans, though. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of all for it, in a way. It was, yeah. And then I not. Think, I think they will like it. But for me, Red Dwarf is what it is, and it doesn't need to be redone. I sh- <laughs> Thinking about it, actually, I actually do actually remember um, uh, mentioning it in passing, right at the top of the show, right when we started doing this uh, podcast. Because I remember he, so Angela mentioning in a line when they rev- uh, reviewed backwards, um, they thought they got the wrong episode. Oh, yeah, they, that, that, they have seen yeah. a rem- It was Marooned, I think. They saw the remastered Marooned. Yeah, that, but certainly that, that no, didn't no, happen. I'm, ta- no, I'm actually talking about um, when they first watched backwards mm. with the new um, Fast Cut intro. Oh, they thought yeah. they they yeah they thought they put in the wrong episode <laughs> because they were so used to the fact that it was such slow, well prodding, if I may say, opening with this the pinching the ship. Well, I sort of had a similar experience when I started watching Red Dwarf because I saw the last three episodes of Series One in UK Gold during the summer, and then in late '98. I caught Series 3 repeats on UK Gold. I'd missed Series 2, and at first I thought, is this the same show? I I, I honestly was wondering if this is is a different show here. And um, 
Any, sorry. Uh, series two. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. It's fine. It's My fine. sister's dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say as well. Um, She's agreeing with you, by I the didn't... way. So. Oh, that's that's good. Thank sorry. you. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, no. Um, I was just going to add as well. Uh, series two. I never saw the original version of series two until like a year later. I I saw the remastered version first. And I, I was just dying to see the original version, really, just to see how different it was. And it, it does say remastered in the title, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it does. Which must have been peculiar if it was the first version you saw. It says it says um, remastered on the episode title, hmm. not in the not in the um, opening credits. Well, it may be nostalgia on my part, but I have to agree with Rosie that the show is what it is, and I like the original ones, even with the, the, the I guess you guys would say the pony special effects and all. But <laughs> yeah, that's exactly my point. That it doesn't need to be remastered. It doesn't need that money spent on it at all. The jokes were good. The ideas were good. Don't ask about it. Don't George Lucas it. <laughs> Yes. Sometimes these things are part of the overall charm of a show. I mean, I'll never forgive Jonathan Frakes for what he did to the Thunderbirds. That should never be a a serious show. It should always be... The great thing about the Thunderbirds was that you could see the strings. Yeah. And that they were really rubbishy kids' models. Mm -hmm. I think there's a line, because the Pete Dinosaur is just terrible... That, you know that that needs to be more convincing. But no, this... it needs to be. It needs to be cut. <laughs> it needs to not. Exist it does. At all. That would be even more convincing. Uh, <laughs> whereas the snake in Polymorph, when Kyan throws the snake and he puts it in the bin, that looks so cheap, but it's so it's all the funnier for it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, I think we've um, I think we've bored our listeners too much already. No, I was hooked. Is the horse dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking it down to the vets to the first thing in the morning. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, thanks for um, joining me on our special show. Thanks for um, having us. Thanks for having me. Not mm-hmm. quite sure Cheers. what I'm going. How we're going to be doing the next spoiler cast as of yet. I'm not sure whether I might be camping back to work um, with season ten because it's only three episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, not quite sure yet, but I will um, obviously I will put that out on on all uh, social media markets uh, when I can. Okay. But as I said, thanks for joining me again, and um, say, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody.